This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Emporium Arcade Bar. Emporium's three Chicagoland locations combine the best arcade games, craft beer, and live events. Check out emporiumchicago.com slash cpc for a free drink or game tokens. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my dear friend, Nathan Brewer, and we talk about his love of Home Alone 3. Yes, specifically the third Home Alone film. He does a better job of describing everything about his the origin of his love for this movie than I will, and we do a decent amount of explaining how it was revealed that this was going to be his topic, so I'll leave that to the actual recording. But what I would like to add in here is that the reason that I reached out to Nathan specifically for this uh, semi-milestone of episode 150 is that Nathan was the first person to ever put the idea in my head that I should have my own podcast. Um, And while that may not seem like much, um, that was over three years ago now, and uh, I haven't seen it much since then. It was just a total joy to reconnect with him to do this but every time I would see him we would discuss podcasts and the ones that we liked and what we liked about them and at some point in those conversations he just very casually said that I should have my own I scoffed and uh, each time I saw him thereafter he would bring it up again One of those times was at a bar in Pilsen at the time when he came. He remembered uh, that night and the bar, but neither one of us could remember which one it was. I've since looked it up. It was Simone's. So in Simone's bar, uh, after he had again told me that I should host my own podcast, and I had again pshawed it, uh, I grabbed his arm at some point in the night, and I looked at him, and I was like, Oh my gosh, I just thought of a great name if I were to have my own podcast. It would have to be called MBSing. Like MBS, MBSing. And he was like, there it is. Now you have to do it. It was nothing but encouragement. And uh, I took a moment at the end of this to thank him for that. But I just wanted to take a moment at the top to also tie that into uh, this weird personal self-congratulating lore that I've created for myself and the show. So thank you, Nathan. Thank you to anyone who's ever listened to the show or been on the show or supported it in any way. Uh, Huge thanks to the Chicago Podcast Co-op for uh, bringing this and many uh, or one of the other Nerdalogs podcasts under its wing. Thank you to the Nerdalogs for bringing this podcast and BSing under its wing in uh, the very early stages of what the show was. Um, It was like not even a conversation. It was like, oh, you have a podcast? Yeah, it's one of ours now. And all of a sudden I never had to worry about hosting or uh, any of that uh, where my own show was concerned. And that is you can't imagine how invaluable that is unless you've tried to take on that task on your own as a podcaster, as a creative in general. 
being a part of a community, both the Nerlogs and the uh, now the Chicago Podcast Co-op is is just a really wonderful, necessary experience for me anyway. A lot of people can probably do these kinds of things on their own, but uh, the reason that I do these kinds of things are, are for the interactions that I get to have with other people or for the community that's created around them. Um, and uh, I owe a lot of that to the nexus uh, that Nathan provided. Um, so I think that's the right Does that mean like the beginning? God, I hope so. If it doesn't, then um, whatever the meaning of the word nexus is, I'll just say Nathan provided that too. Another show in the Chicago Podcast Co-op that I think you should check out is called Open Ended. It's hosted by Cher Vincent and T- James T. Green, and they take a weekly dive into tech news and code, into code switching and gender, and it's all wrapped up in the comfort of listening to two best friends disagree. I thought this was appropriate for this episode as there is so much that uh, Nathan tries to tackle in terms of people who disagree with his uh, stance on uh, Home Alone versus the other Home Alone films in the series. (laughs) Uh, And I think it's just a joy. I think it's exactly what I wanted this show to be, or at least what I realized I wanted it to be after I actually started it. And uh, Nathan echoed that sentiment, and it's uh, why you love the thing that you love and not necessarily uh, what the thing is itself. Um, So I thank him again for that and for coming on the show and for having a great conversation with me. And I think that's it. I don't think we need any other plugs from me on this one. I will say, for Nathan's sake, that his uh, sketch group, Legends in the Game, is uh, has become a really big, fun, important part of his life. He's a writer. Some of them are performers. And they often cast people outside of their group to be in their shows. So maybe you're looking to be cast in a cool sketch show. Maybe you're looking to check out a cool sketch show. Go like them on Facebook. Follow what they do. Um, they aren't, don't have any shows going up right now. They just closed a big one last month, but I would encourage you to follow that regardless, especially if you enjoy this conversation with my dear friend, Nathan Burr. Well, have you ever heard somebody release the, uh, isolated vocal track from a late era Smash Mouth song called California? (laughs) No. And you start and it's about 20 minutes of silence and then just, come on. Oh. California's got sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just a long pause. Yikes. I, uh, I shared a video on Twitter recently of, it was called an inverted cover of All Star. I heard about this. Each line, he says the word backwards. <laughs> so I can't even do it because it's like, instead of somebody once told me, it's me told <laughs> once somebody. And But he does it in beat every line. It. That's incredible. It makes your brain explode because you're like, wait, this is the song I know. (laughs) I feel like All Star has become its own genre of music, like covers, mashups, remixes. Totally agree. It's something about, and even recently, I feel like there's been an odd resurgence of (laughs) All Star traffic. (laughs) I feel like if anyone's like me, it's like that is maybe... The ultimate song where, like, I loved it as a kid. Like, unironically, I loved it. I had that album. I listened uh-huh. to it all the time. I, like, would wait. I would tape it off the radio. Like, I love All Star. Uh-huh. And, like, that song is 
terrible. Bad. And it's like the biggest gap between when I ever loved something unironically and now can only love it ironically. Ironically, I yes. I feel like people get upset. It's a little bit like the whole Full House thing. Yes. That people are like obsessed with Full House. Yes. Yeah. I definitely agree. And I think that's a really apt comparison. Um, I It's weird that you would mention that because I'm working on a show right now with the Nerdalogs that's like a remounting of a show that that uh, one of the members wrote a few years ago, but it's called Attend the Tale of Danny Tanner, ah. uh, the Full House musical. And it's about like, it's literally like a crossover between Full House and Sweeney Todd. <laughs> and uh, the idea, the like buy-in is that uh, Danny Tanner um, ceremoniously murders a drunk driver on the eve of his wife's death every year <laughs> god i forgot she died yeah. it's a dark show yeah like that is the inception of the show and uh it's also the inception of our show and when and when it first like came to the table i was kind of like uh like i wasn't jazzed about it from the beginning because i was just like really full house like that's what we're that's what we're talking about here and then We've, we're like four or five rehearsals in, and I'm like, this is great. <laughs> like, the show's really fun. It uses the like nostalgia and the original show to a great degree, and also just like plays on this weird insanity aspect. And it's it's really fun. I was like really pleasantly surprised by how like how much i really like it even though i had nothing to do with like the actual inception of the show but um that's playing, a great idea i'm playing yeah. stephanie oh really ah. <laughs> yeah. jody sweeten jody sweeten there's a there's a line in my solo song that's um uh all all of this i can't remember how it leads up but the last line is this makes me feel like trying some meth <laughs> Well, I always so there's do, also uh, the distance that you get from. <laughs> I'm a big fan of, um, at like of asking people like, here is a celebrity, like a B-list celebrity's name. Uh-huh. Now guess what their autobiography is called. <laughs> so do you know Jody Sweeten's autobiography? No. Just try to guess what her autobiography is called. Because the thing is, no matter what, you usually can't guess it. And then when you hear it, you're like, but of course it is. Um, the sweet life. Unsweetened. I was so close. <laughs> Unsweetened. And then, like Tori Spelling, is storytelling. Oh God, I, that's a really fun thing to have, like an encyclopedia. Oh knowledge. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but you're here, okay, to talk about your encyclopedic knowledge of of Home Alone Three. three. Yeah, my um, <laughs> sincerely held belief that Home Alone Three is the best Home Alone. Uh, I'm wearing a shirt to that effect. A handmade <laughs> Home Alone 3 is the best Home Alone shirt. Um, and we're, we're getting started? Yes, please. Okay, because I wanted to start off, if you let me, with a really brief reading. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and so, I also want to say that when Nathan, my guest Nathan Brewer, when he came in today, he said, I think I probably should talk about the X-Files. Mm-hmm, right. But what is in my heart? And then he unbuttoned his button down <laughs> to reveal the shirt he was wearing. <laughs> I just <laughs> to let everyone know that that was the experience that I had had with this topic reveal, <laughs> literal reveal. Well, we haven't, we, you know, we don't talk much about Mary Beth. Right. I mean, I 
you know, it's it's a lot to get off your chest. It's mm-hmm. a you know, it's a real, it's a confession. Uh-huh. You know, people, you never know how people are going to react to it. You know, you, you get to that point in a relationship, uh-huh. you know, with you know, uh, so you met someone online. Uh-huh. How many dates before you tell them that you think Home Alone Three is the best Home Alone? <laughs> and it's something that I've had to struggle with my entire life. Um, I don't have all. I mean, we'll get into this. I don't have all that much nostalgia for the first one oh, that's or the good. second okay. one. So, like to me, this is only hilarious and not upsetting. Okay. <laughs> like, well, the funny thing is that, like, oh, God, people really do have a lot of nostalgia for the first two. Yeah. And so, you know, you'll say online, what's the what's the swearing situation? Online? Oh, you can yeah. say whatever the so fuck you, you want. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you'll say online, you know, on Facebook, like, oh, I can't wait, you know, and we'll get into it, but I've watched Home Alone 3 every year since it came out. And you'll get, <laughs> like, cannot wait to get, you know, back home to mom and dad's house, sit down with my sibs, and watch my favorite movie, Home Alone 3. And you'll just get, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you'll just get, like, did you say what I fucking think you just said? Like, people have no sense of humor about it. Like, either the, uh, at best they think I'm being, like, super they, ironic. They it's a joke, yeah. And it's like, I mean, it, it is and it isn't. Like, uh, I, I know it probably is not the best made Home Alone, but, like, it is absolutely my favorite. Uh-huh. And so I, I want to do this quick reading because there's Please. one other, there's something that surprised a lot of people to hear. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Call me hard-hearted. Call me cynical. But please don't, uh, please don't call me if they make Home Alone 3. These words from my review of Home Alone 2 now have to be eaten. <gasps> to my astonishment, I like the third Home Alone movie better than the first two. I'm even going to go so far as to recommend it. Uh, and well, then he says some stuff that I think is crazy. Uh, but that, those are the words. <laughs> that was probably Cisco fucking with him because those are the words of Roger Ebert. I was going to say, as soon as you started, I was like, this sounds like an Ebert review. Yeah. Like that just sounded like Ebert. From December 12, 1987, quote Roger Ebert, Home Alone 3 is the best Home Alone. He does go on to say that he wouldn't necessarily recommend it to grownups and he thinks that it's good it's for kids. It's a really good kids movie. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's that's good. That's good company. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was about... The way that he about the way that that opens, but I knew it had to be an, an Ebert review. Yeah, it's an Ebert, it's a vintage Ebert. <laughs> That's um, incredible. Oh my god! I like. I never want to see a Home Alone three. To I have to eat my I words. Eat, I have to eat my fucking words because Home Alone three is so good. That's, the story of this non Macaulay Culkin child is so <laughs> so riveting. Did you ha- like? Did you discover that in early on in your love for this movie, or was that like a retroactive? Like I, that's relatively recent. That, that's definitely post Wikipedia. Okay. So that's definitely like some Home Alone three trivia. Yeah, because at the time you probably would have had to like actually get those like um like a you'd have to read an ebert uh review in the newspaper right, or yeah. something and I'm from, not from the chicago area so i never <laughs> sure. would have seen that yeah right maybe i would have seen it in one of his collections of the best movies i've ever seen i'm sure it's like i'm sure it's like <laughs> chapter one you know sub chapter a like it's like yeah. it's like that and then casablanca yeah. <laughs> there is there is an ebert review that's just i believe the review is just one word yeah <laughs> I don't know that one. I can't. I would. You're better about actually remembering the like punchline of trivia than I am. (laughs) And we'd have to look it up, or it might even be like the the movie asks a question and he his answer is just no, and like that's the whole review. It's like, did you hear about the Morgans? Exactly, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) like. uh, But there was at least one time where he was like that snarky, (laughs) which I think is beautiful. I mean, one of my favorite ever, and I think it is, like, I really think it's, like, brilliant criticism is when he, his review of Freddy Got Fingered, the, um, I don't know if you remember Tom Green. Tom Green, yeah, yeah. Uh, Daddy, would you like, like some sausage? sausage? Yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> he, uh, his review just said, this movie is not the bottom of the barrel. 
this movie is below the bottom of the barrel. This movie doesn't even deserve to be mentioned in the same paragraph as barrels. <laughs> and I just love it. I love his like That's impassioned amazing. defense of barrels. <laughs> barrels are better than this. <laughs> um, you also have a another plan for it. So what I was thinking, and like this could be terrible, like this could tank this podcast, uh, which is going so well, is yeah. I would like to start up and play the film Home Alone 3 here on mute uh-huh. um, just so that we have it running and hopefully uh-huh. don't, you know, our eyes don't get drawn to it too much just because I know you've never seen it. And I know I most people... I don't think I have. If I have, it's been like once around when it came out and I immediately... I don't even... I've barely seen the first two, okay. like, from start to finish. Okay, that's I just, it's well, just not really, like, my... So here's, here's a good way to hop into it is, like, I think I can explain pretty quickly why there's so much resistance to this movie, Home Alone 3. Uh-huh. I mean, number one is it doesn't have Macaulay Culkin. It has Alex D. Lenz, who you might remember from, like, I think Pepsi commercials or something. <laughs> he was everywhere for a while. He's got a really angelic smile, right. and he's, like, a human bowl cut. Like, he's, like... <laughs> He's just For that, sure. like, yeah. He's like a floppy little adorable, like '90s. I'm sure he Haley Joel. Like I'm sure he looks oh, rough he's now. He's a lo- like Haley got pretty puffy. Yeah, <laughs> but so like, do you so like? Can you recite to me from your memory more or less what the plot of the first Home Alone is? Okay, first Home Alone. Um, the family is going on uh, to visit other fam or going on vacation it's, it's, for Christmas. Yeah, Paris, I think, or I think That's so. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and. Uh, then but he gets left at the house because it's just like crazy and there's so much going on and everyone they don't realize it until they're at the airport and it's like Kevin and then he goes and lives in a hotel at some point or is that that's home one two that's home two lost (laughs) in New York so he only stays in his home and then the wet bandits come because they know the family's out of town so they're gonna steal all the stuff and he has to like make an elaborate booby traps to uh, capture them and and along the way, he he the warms or he warms up to a creepy old man who lives next door. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. So that's and the I, the pigeon lady is also in two. And on two, she plays the exact same role. So a big part of these movies mm. is they're really the same. The second uh, one is right. the same. He's in a hotel. There's a creepy pigeon lady. The wet bandits are now the sticky bandits. Still Daniel Stern. Still Joe Pesci. And right. I think uh, Oscar award winning performances. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. Uh, but uh, but it was like the same year as Goodfellas. But uh, but yeah. So really, so it's something like so it's like our, our boy Kevin McAllister uh-huh. gets left home alone uh-huh. by his negligent parents, uh-huh. and booby traps. Uh, you know, his house or hotel defeats these bandits. Sure. Now, um, if you'll draw your attention to the left, what might um, <laughs> to the movie I got running here? What might surprise you is that this movie opens with a North Korean terrorist staring into an elaborate <laughs> aquarium. <laughs> And I think that kind of gets at, like, the heart of why people don't like to accept this movie, which is, like, rather than an adorable Moppet being left at home to find off two bumbling crooks, this Moppet. movie yeah, <laughs> this movie is about an even smaller child with chicken pox. Who, <gasps> I have seen this. Okay. Who runs I've afoul, definitely seen this. Who runs afoul of four international high-tech thieves on behest of a North Korean terrorist, uh, terrorist organization who have still, uh, stolen a missile chip from a uh, disgruntled 
uh, libertarian employee of a North California tech company. Their oh. bags, their Parisian bags get mixed up with an old lady's and get stuck in a remote oh, control car. Oh, God. And Alex winds up with this missile chip. That's so instead, right. So it's just so complicated. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a John le Carré novel. It's like, it's got <laughs> intrigue. And instead of these like two bumbling crooks, we have four like vaguely Euro trashy, right. like high tech thieves. And I think Is one of them the this. lady in the hat? Like, is yeah. that lady in like uh, every movie? It's like the same lady from the Goonies, right? Like, she, it's just she, the lady she in the hat. Seems like, yeah. And so I think what it is is that, like, yeah, people want their, like, bumbling Keystone Cops criminals. But what I like about this movie is that it's him taking down these much more confident. Super high stakes. Yeah. And it's like they, they believe that a kid won't cause them trouble. And, like, they're, they're, like, they should be right. Whereas, like, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci were already kind of idiots. Right. You know? And so I actually kind of like so it. I mean, it. As like, a kid, I love the capability of the small boy to be able to take down more, like, uh, rely, like, more professional bandits, so to speak. And I think it's almost more like a fun Achilles heel. Like, yeah. with, like I actually think in real life, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern would almost be scarier because they would just, like, hurt the kid. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Whereas these guys have, like, their gadgets, they have their training, and they believe that they can just get the, the chip back, no problem, they're not even sweating it. And it's, like, all of his low-tech... Like booby traps uh, just go completely against any other training, oh, and so I sure. think it makes for like a cool, like almost kind of kid <laughs> spy movie. Yeah, and I fucking love it. Uh, and he also, yeah, also has a lot of product placement for the store Parisian, which you might not remember. Nope. Uh, but I think it was a real '90s store. Um, the funniest part about this was like as you're describing it, the scene was like cutting from Hong Kong to California, and like all. Like, as though you had, like, rehearsed the setup of this <laughs> yeah. to time out perfectly. So, I'm going to – I know the audience can't see, but this uh, – we're looking at our criminals right okay. now. And so I just want to point oh, out, like – Oh, that – yes, yeah. that lady. So, and so you know – we all know Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci. I actually can't remember their, their names. Uh, uh, it'll come back to me because they're really well known. But here Harry we've got – Lloyd. <laughs> we, yeah, no, it's, it's something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it's, that's something dumber. But it's got – here we've got Burton Jernigan, <laughs> Earl Unger, Alice Rivens, and their leader, Peter Bope pray those 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 cast of criminals that have gone down in history i mean they're up there with like uh you know with like disney villains scarface. yeah dr no um, and what we really get scarface is, is like a villainous protagonist but yeah way, he's like, like an anti-hero at their level yeah exactly exactly um not there it is said there and what we've got here is some real like i mean these are like classic villain archetypes we've uh-huh. got the the Euro trash guy. We've uh, got the lady with the suspicious beauty mark, and we've got <laughs> we've got the scummy New Jersey accented dude with a big ponytail. Um, who I'll point out to you because he was um, uh, Cindy Lauper's husband for a number of years. What? Yeah. And then their leader, who is uh, like a, a soft-spoken dude who's in a lot of like Coen Brothers movies. Okay. Um, so I should stop being so who's specific. Who's the actor? Cause, uh, Alec Olek Krupa is his okay. name. Okay. Yeah. I should stop being so specific because this is not going to mean anything to anyone. It's but okay. like, I just want to get at a level of like my knowledge of this film. This you're don't like second guess okay. yourself <laughs> okay. is all I'm going to say <laughs> because this is so hilariously specific and like um, I almost want people like when you listen to this just like turn on the movie. I I'm highly recommend in the it. Yeah, it's on HBO in the middle of the year a lot for some reason. <laughs> yeah. It's usually like in July you flip it on and it's like Home Alone three. The rights are like weirdly different. Yeah. At off 
peak times. Well, and I, I was telling you before we started, but I, I turned on HBO this uh, during That's lunch right. today. I got a prepackaged salad. Didn't feel like cooking. <laughs> and Home Alone 1 was on, which is like, again, it's it's like April. So I was able to, to compare them a little bit. Uh-huh. And let me say, Home Alone 1. It's probably a better movie. <laughs> no, it's like no, I like Home Alone Three way better. You can't say it. It's not. I like Home Alone Three way better. And actually, Home Alone One was a little bit more um, corny. Yeah, I remembered watching it. Now it was sure. a lot of like the mom being like, "I would sell my soul for my child," and a lot more like tinkling, you mm-hmm. know, music. And I mm-hmm. like this one because I really think it plays more like a spy thriller. It's just like I it's efficient. That. Yeah, it's quick. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like it's bright. It's fun. It's wacky. It's got um, a lot of product placement and uh-huh. a talking sassy parrot. And a seemingly, uh, a seemingly clairvoyant I mouse. Definitely seen this movie before. <laughs> I look like every detail that you mentioned. I'm like, it's like an acid flashback. <laughs> Plus, like, there's a scene where um, the main character Alex. Uh, Trick uses a universal remote to trick an old lady into watching a uh, very erotic Jamie Foxx music video. <laughs> and it's like, you don't get that from Home Alone 1 and 2. No. You don't get That's that with also, Chris Columbus, the director. There's also chair. like, <laughs> yeah, who directed this bad boy? Uh, his name was, oh, I just looked it up. It was, his, uh, it was like his first movie. I think his name was like Raji Gosnell or something. What did he, he was go on editor. to do? Um, uh, oh, I forget. I should Mission look it up. Impossible or it's, something it's like that. It's a lot of kids' movies. Okay. It's like the best. I don't, he don't think he did this one, but like the best level of movie he possibly did was like Stuart Little or oh, something. Okay, like, like something that was probably critically okay. Yeah, you know, but he's still a, mostly a, for families. Yeah, he's a he's a journeyman. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, the other funny thing about this is like we have not seen the family yet, right? No. So what <laughs> happens? So the these. Criminals. Oh, uh, we have to see the actual bags get switched. So that's, that's what right. happens is is the criminals are sneaking this missile chip that oh by the way makes missiles invisible to radar. That's that's what it does. <laughs> that's what the, the chip North does. Korea wants it. They slide it inside of a mutator RC car. It was a late nineties remote control car when those were big, and put it in a Parisian bag. It gets switched with an old lady, Mrs. Hess, who is an evil, sassy, chain smoking octogenarian. <laughs> she plays the creepy old person who right. ends up befriending right. the kid as the movie goes on. Yes, the old mystical character <laughs> yeah and here i want to quote wikipedia um from how alex winds up in possession of the real control car which is after um after uh what is it snow shoveling mrs hess's driveway she gives it to him as payment while accosting him for scratching too much <laughs> which i love that, that that is like considered a plot point on wikipedia but scratching too much is because alex has chicken, chicken pox. pox and so what's also different about this his family's not out of town his family is just, they're at work, they're at school, they can't stay at home, they're strapped. It's a, it's a commentary on, you know, oh, on working parents not being sure. able to, There's a scene where the mom almost cries yelling at her boss who's making her come into work while she has a sick kid. Wow. So you've got healthcare commentary running there. That's, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for, like, the, I, that always really, I mean, I even said it, like, when I was talking about the first one, like, they go somewhere for Christmas. Like, like, you feel bad for them. A, they have a giant house yeah. and a seemingly very affluent family. Like, well, they have a giant house. It's like the most beautiful house okay. I've ever seen. Okay. But they talk a lot about how they're up, they're like in debt up to their ears. That's why uh, they can't leave work. It's like, I just think that there's like a little bit more. Like the first one, they seem like a, a crazy, wacky family, but like, uh, there's no way they could afford that unless the dad was like. I mean, it was like right. a partner at a law firm. Right. And like, it didn't really fit. Whereas uh-huh. like the family here, they're like, they're doing pretty well, but 
they can't leave work. They gotta leave their they they gotta leave their little genius at home. Maintain their lifestyle. Yeah. So so that's why he's at home all day, and he calls the cops a few times, and the cops say you can't call us anymore, or else I don't know we'll arrest you. I don't know (laughs) what they're gonna do to him. But that's why he's got to take he's got to take matters Matters into his own own hands. Yeah, with the help (laughs) of his mouse Doris. Here he is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're... So, yeah. So, I, I don't know we how far are we into like this movie. We're, we're, like, almost 10 minutes into this okay, movie, 10. and we just met Alex. <laughs> the, uh... What's the... Protagonist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alex D. Linz is the actor who plays him. This kid. Oh, and his name is the same Yeah, the, I mean, it's the... a real Tony Danza scenario. <laughs> which, I mean, like, I don't... Like, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna, like, slam Alex Linz. Like, he's pretty talented for a kid. It's uh, really Tony Danza who I, like, worried about. <laughs> if, like, they gotta use six-year-old child actor strategies on him to keep, you know, to keep his head straight. I remember Tony Danza was in an ABC made-for-TV version of Noah's Ark. I'm pretty sure he was still named Tony. Stop. <laughs> I don't know if it was like Tony's Ark. No. <laughs> he has done something else since then where his name was also Tony. Though. He had. To he, like, I, mean, I, I feel like I am, I am certain he has. Like, because I remember stumbling upon the show and being like, how did you, how are you still <laughs> only still on shows Tony. where your name is Tony? <sighs> well, one thing I haven't gotten to is, is like why I love this movie so much. Because it yes. sounds like I'm. Uh, it sounds like I'm just a Home Alone 3 fanatic, which I like am, but like I don't watch it alone. The reason I love it is that it is at the heart of my most cherished family tradition. Um, and so I have three siblings. I'm the oldest of four. And I saw this movie in theaters the year it came out. Jacob Pep's birthday party. Holla, <laughs> holla Jacob. Jacob. He's, uh, he works for the National Cheerleading uh, Association now. Cool. He's doing great. Uh, he's a man leader. Um, <laughs> a man leader. But... Uh, and I like. I just remember enjoying it. And a year later, I can't remember. I think my parents were having a Christmas party or something. And so my my little brother and I were stuck upstairs, and we're very close. My little brother's my best friend. And mm. I we rented. My parent, mom and dad were like, "Well, wait, you were in a movie. We rented a movie, and we started watching this movie, and we were loving it." But what we wanted to do is we really wanted some like sparkling apple juice. It was a New Year's Eve party. Uh, sparkling apple juice. We wanted some of the snacks downstairs. So we devised a spy-like yes, plan. Of course. To like go down. Like, and of course, I'm sure my parents saw, you know, I, yeah. I'm sure they were all just like laughing at us. But yeah. we thought we were being sneaky as Of fuck. course. And we thought we were being a couple of like wet bandits uh-huh. getting in and out. <laughs> we thought we were being a real Peter Beaupre and Earl Unger. Uh, and, you know, those old <laughs> you know, beloved those characters. Old, beloved characters. So a lot of, you know. It was like in the 90s, you would see a lot of like Tweety Bird in hip hop gear, and then right next to him, Burton Jernigan and exactly. Alice Rivens exactly. decked out as crisscross on like. And then, like, um, on the back, it was just their backs, like with the ponytail yeah. streaming down. But we, we like snuck down, we got these snacks, and we watched this movie, and we just like loved it. I don't remember, I don't remember why, but we basically said, like, this is Brew Boys Night, is what we called it. My last oh, name's Brewer. Brew Boys and Night. And we called it Brew Boys Night. And with every year, we kept doing it. It was on the 20th of December. Now it's on the 23rd. And with each year, it got more and more elaborate. So we had to have, um, the number one thing we always, always had to have was red and green M&Ms. And then we added Warhead candies. <gasps> and then we added, like, another kind of chocolate candies. And then we added Jones Soda. And then it, elab- then it got up to... Every year we'd have three different flavors of Jones soda <laughs> that we would that we would keep in an attic crawl space, and they would get cold. Like the winter weather would make them cold because it was like the Christmas season was cooling the drink. Right. And then we'd crack them at specific times oh of the my movie. God. And like 
and I was supposed to say like that, like it is a miracle I survived because that like that is a garbage stuff to put that in your body. All sounds yeah. yeah. I was as soon as you said warheads, I was like, oh, acid, yeah, <laughs> like, hard and candy I did, acid. Like, I do want to be very clear. I looked like a marshmallow on toothpicks <laughs> growing up. Like I was like not a fit kid. Okay. Um, but so it just became this elaborate like ritual, and it became like beloved. Um, you know, it was like the corner that we cared about more than Christmas. So we how talk old about were it. You when the movie came the movie out? Movie came out. I was ten. Okay. Um, and my brother is a couple years younger, so he mm-hmm. was like seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like smack dab in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Like in your, it was geared for you. Yeah. Basically, I mean, rapidly, I got objectively too old for it. But yeah. by then, it had become such a like nostalgic. Bond, yeah, 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 and such a bonding experience. As we got older, then I'm seven years younger than my little sister, and I'm 12 years younger than my oldest, my youngest brother. So as we got older, we started to get in that pressure from mom and dad coming down from management saying, like, you guys got to involve your, your little right. brother. Plus, you call it Brew Boys Night, and Addie is, like, not going to be pleased. Right. So for a while, when I was in, like, early high school, we compromised. And because we could not destroy the sanctity of Brew Boys Night, we created Brew Kids Night for the two of them, where my brother Josh and I were their butlers. Oh, And we'd wait on them God. hand and foot while they watched Home Alone 3. Eventually, it got crazy, and we just folded it all into That's Brew Kids so Night. That's so cute. Yeah. I love it. And we still do it to this day. We did it last year. We now all go out to dinner, and sometimes we go to the top of a parking garage in town and, like, have a little, like... You know, just like enjoy the Christmas season, Brew but Kids it's night. like every yeah, kids' night. But it is like it's a cherished. But you still part. watch the movie. We still watch the movie. I mean, it's, like you go to dinner and then like get we, home we and go watch to dinner. The movie. Uh, we all, now we watch uh, to warm up. We watch an episode of um, <clears throat> Alan Alda's Scientific American Frontiers. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, uh, it's a, it was a long-running <laughs> PBS science uh, program that we used to watch before this. You, you don't say a show called Scientific <laughs> Frontiers. Yeah. Scientific American Frontiers. Frontiers. It's great if you want to see Alan Alda hip you to the biggest scientific elements of like. 1998 <laughs> but for some reason it was like we just watched it a couple times before when we were a kid and like when you're a kid like that's the tradition right so now we gotta hunt it down i have to like find like you know weird you know bootlegs. Cr- korean bootlegs <laughs> yeah. of alan alda introducing you to like uh, a robot that studies how bees fly <laughs> <laughs> and i love alan alda though. God bless him. yeah who couldn't <laughs> but like so we still do this and you know like i said we all got to dinner and we watched this movie and it has gotten a point we've cut down the candy we still have red and green m&ms we still have one jones soda which is like brutal like still, yeah, i have a worse hangover have, really than after drinking because one of those just so sugary oh it's so sugary and um but we so we still do this every year. We can now, I mean, we can now say the movie along with the movie. Of like course. we know every line. There are, are moments we, we pause and go frame by frame by frame because we like, we like, we've had to find ways to make it more, more fun. So it's like, it's like, I mean, you really, it's like you every just become second, like riff every, tracks. Ba- yeah, every background character, every like, there's like some, uh, there's a fairly well-known like indie actor plays an FBI agent is in the background. And I've now I'm like, it's that guy. Like, you know, you like, you pick out every single like, possible thing it's got the janitor from scrubs is in this as a cop at one point so you just like that's really funny it's stopped becoming a movie and it has started to become like like an like like our life's work (laughs) (laughs) that's like the guy who was briefly married to cindy lopper like like, exactly remember that that guy right And, and and I should also mention, I don't know, think we've seen it yet, but this is, I think, Scarlett Johansson's first movie. Oh, or one shit. of her first. She plays the sister. You've got, like, you've got sassy older siblings who is treat that, Alec like that. That's ScarJo? No, no, that is his. Okay. That's, uh, we're looking at Alex's mom, played by Haviland Morris, uh, <laughs> who is just in some things. She's a real estate agent now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she plays Maria Bloodstone in Gremlins 2, the new batch. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Yeah. So. 
yeah. Anyway, so like that. That's why I've seen it so much. That's why I've seen it 19 or 20 times now is because it's become a cherished childhood. You know, and like, you can, you know, it's been that many times because, you know, like the first it came time out. Yeah. Know. Yeah, exactly. It came out oh in 1997, gosh. December 1997. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so you never throw it on in between? Like I, you used to be sacrilege. Um, oh, that's really, I like you wait, had to wait. This is terrible for everyone listening, but I do want to point out where we've got to the scene where Alex is going to trick an old lady into watching a racy Jamie Fox music video. <laughs> Um, and I don't know the song, never heard the full song, but I know that it goes, ah, 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 experimental. <laughs> it's like oh a real 90s Jamie Foxx. Um, but, uh, and he also has a, a pet rat. Yeah. <laughs> a pet rat named Doris. Um, and so, yeah, it used to be sacrilege to watch it during the middle of the year, but every so often it's on HBO and like my girlfriend, and I've checked it out recently. I met my girlfriend because of this movie. <gasps> I have a very, love my life, very serious Nathan. girlfriend. And I was on, so I hopped on OkCupid a little over a year ago. I had been off and on for a while. And one of my photos, I just threw my photo of me wearing my Home Alone 3 shirt because I have some theories about online dating. And I think you want to get, a, you want something that somebody can latch on and comment sure, on. I totally agree. Whether they make fun of you, whether they like it. Because it's generally, I think like people... People know if they want to talk to someone, and yeah. they just want something besides sup. Something to, say. to find to yeah yeah sure. And so like cynically, having the shirt was the smartest thing I ever did. You get people being like, "Ah, oh, that's terrible." People saying like, "Oh, I used to like that movie." My girlfriend said, "My little brothers and I watched it every year growing <gasps> up at Christmas." I just got chills. Yeah, she wrote to me saying that, and I was like, "Are you kidding You're me?" Like, who and, are you, woman of my dreams? Yeah, exactly. And we. Yeah, and we're you know, we're still together. I, <gasps> um, her brother was in town last night. We like briefly mentioned it. Like so, it's I've like I met my girlfriend through my love of Home Alone three. That's so I will funny. Say, by far the best message I got though on on uh, OK Cupid when I was still doing About it when it. I was single was a woman who wrote to me and said, "Hey, saw your shirt. Just thought you might like to know. My mom worked on the set of Home Alone three, and I grew up. I like was on the set every day, and I used to play with Alex between takes. Oh my She's god! She's like I've met everyone. I totally have stories. Anyways, I'm a lesbian. No interest at all. Just thought you might want to oh, know. Oh my god, that is incredible! <laughs> and I, I really did want to know. Like I was did like, you like comment? Oh, I was like, oh my god! Like seriously, let me know. Yeah. yeah, like it was fantastic. That is like start to be. <laughs> oh, was that before? It has to have been before the uh, your current girlfriend messaged you about it, it was, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I wasn't even on that long. I mean, like, right? Because once, because <laughs> once, once you get another home, yeah. you know, the HA three head, like you know, it's in for like life at that point. <laughs> So like we'll definitely throw this on here and there and just like sure. as, as she would you know she winces every time she says it's our movie. That is so funny. That is so funny. Yeah. I have a like it's not nearly as good a story as that is, but my uh also current boyfriend like we just moved in together. Oh. Uh yeah. Um love of my life yeah, like yeah. you know. Um we went our first date was uh to see Captain America Winter Soldier because movie. the night it was so good. Yeah. Um the night before he had come we had a mutual friend who I was on an improv team with and that's like how we met through him and uh but he like we had known each other for a while and he was like um basically like like con- like confessed that he had feelings for me but didn't really like at like act upon like so he was like i he, just he confessed to you or to like yes. a mutual friends oh yeah okay. like like that night it's, it's a funny story another guy asked for my number and then left and i was like a little embarrassed because i i 
liked him too, like yeah. obviously. And so, but it happened like in front of him. So oh, I was like, that is hard. It was, yeah. it was rough. And then he left and Eric was like, that must happen to you all the time. And I was like, no, it really doesn't. I'm sorry. Like that was weird. Like, um, and he was like, well, it should because you're great. Aww. And then like kind of launched into like how he had had feelings for me for a while. And then he kind of got, got through this whole thing. And I just like looked at him and was like, what are you doing tomorrow? And he was like going to see Captain America Winter Soldier in the afternoon by myself at my like at a movie theater by my place and I was like I'm going to come with you. And he was like, "Okay, that sounds great." So this year on our anniversary, on the 2-year anniversary oh, of that, fantastic. we're going to see Civil War. That's awesome. And that's like why I brought it up in the first place cuz as soon as we saw that Civil War was coming out like a few days before what will be our anniversary, we just like looked at each other and we're like I guess we're going to that. You guys like, lean in close and just say, Hail Hydra. Yeah. Hail Hydra to you too. Yeah. It's yeah. like such a, it's like not romantic in the least, but like <laughs> for some reason, Civil War is like yeah. going to be. In honor of your love and Gary Shambling's passing. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> if that was like one of the, like one of the weirder, like sad details of was like <laughs> oh he's gonna be in civil war I know. <laughs> that's gonna be sad <laughs> anyway uh that's hilarious that's i fantastic. can't believe that happened yeah i can't believe that happened <laughs> well and similarly like i guess it's like not just this movie but this shirt mm-hmm. is like whenever i posted it i posted it on facebook like i said i got crazy response mm-hmm. like people you, like i we, we have dovetailed like we've dovetailed away from how much people care about the first two home alone people movies. love like yeah. it's a lot of people's like favorite christmas movies and like we're both probably about about 30 mm-hmm. and i think people just a few years younger than us is even like maybe more so you think so, uh, so I, I think so and i because one of the reasons is so i posted oh. this shirt on instagram at one like me wearing the shirt on instagram um and didn't really think about it got a couple likes a couple funny comments and then this was maybe a year and a half ago and then how long have you had that shirt? I made it. It was uh, for a Christmas party in 2014. Okay. Okay. It was, like I said, so a, not, a, not like, that long. Not all that long. Yeah. Not all that like long. Like I ago. said, I, a friend said to wear a controversial outfit to a Christmas party and like I <laughs> dominated. You know, there are people doing like whatever your, your I'm like, sure Jared uh, jokes or whatever, but oh, like Home Alone yeah, 3 is sure. by far the most controversial costume. So they didn't even have to be like Christmas related. It was just supposed to be controversial. Oh, uh, well, no, or, it was a like Christmas. I mean, Home Alone okay. 3 is a Christmas movie. So right, it was like, right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. You know, I just wanted to make sure like Christmas party. Uh, but I put it on Instagram, and about a month later, somebody I didn't know just commented, like, LOL, you should see this. And linked to, I don't know, like, I'm not a big social media guy. I don't know if you know how, like, that there are, like, all these, like, comedy retweet reposting accounts that we call, like, we call, like, Whiskey Recess or, like, sure. LOL, bitches. Yes, yeah, so there's and, one on Instagram called Fuck Jerry. Like, yeah. they're, they're all just, like, weird. I and know what you're just, talking like, about. And they just, like, retweet jokes or whatever. And this one that seemed to be a lot of, like, high school kids or early college kids like humor a lot of just like uh-huh. you know when 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 base deals your snapback or whatever right, right, you know? right. and like <laughs> and like they reposted perfect example <laughs> yeah they had reposted my picture without <gasps> me knowing and this girl was like lol you should see this and it was like oh i'm sorry i'm going on oh no you're it kidding. was like thousands of comments it was oh like two thousand comments and like the, i have to find where I, that is I, I, honestly i've lost track i don't know if the account is gone now i tried oh to find it oh my before god this. oh you but did i okay. was being like 
cyberbullied. <laughs> it was being like straight up cyberbullied. It was a lot of just like, what? Who is this dumbass? What is this? Like, oh my God. And a couple people finding the joke funny, like finding it funny to wear it to a Christmas party. Some right. people like loving the movie. A lot of people like, oh my God, we loved this when we were kids. Can't believe anyone else knows this right, movie. Right, sure. But it was like the by far the biggest like viral presence I've ever had. Oh my God. And just like somebody who had seen I don't know how they your picture. It. Yeah, I don't know how. Like a mutual friend or something. Something. yeah weird that's so funny yeah it like and you almost didn't talk about home I, I know right <laughs> i mean it's like you want to pick something you know about and it's like i know a lot of about like you know you ask like you ask like a, a white man who's bad at sports to talk about something they know about and it's like inviting them to the olympics it's like ve- it's very dangerous but it's like i think it's interesting to find those things that we all we all have like something that we know and love about yes. that not only is it uncommon, but like no one even, re- there's like not even an, a reason to talk yes. about it. Like, yes. That I, is like, that is such at the heart of the, of this show. Yeah. Like it, it, I love like my last, not my most recent, but I think the one before that was this woman who talked about the Sims and it was yeah. like, who's like, who's one thing that they like love and want to talk about is hers. Like, and yeah. it was hilarious and so funny and like interesting to hear that person's perspective of like why the Sims is so like, that's their thing, mm-hmm. you know, but it was the same it was like the first thing that she said when I told her about the concept of the show. Like I wasn't even asking her to be a guest at that point. And I was like, yeah, so it's just like one thing you love, know a lot about or passionate about. And she was like, oh, The Sims. And I was like, oh, okay, um, you have to do my show now. <laughs> exactly. And I think we all have like, we like I said, like I was like, I should do The X-Files. I right. It. It's a great, it's just a trivia thing to talk about. Sure. But it's like the first thing I thought was, I know a shit a little about Home Alone 3. <laughs> And like I know a mutual friend of ours, Jonathan. I remember him uh-huh. when he found out about this show. Uh-huh. He was he said to me, "Oh, I gotta fucking do Animorphs." Yeah, and then I know. it was done. Someone, and he like I know. crawled into what like we've talked about. Yeah. that. I'm really like, but I feel things- bad. I told him I was like, "You should still do it. You just have <laughs> you just somebody already did Animorphs." Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it ties into with a thing I always have felt, which is <laughs> you will never know as much about a thing as you did when you were 12 like if it was unless it was something you loved when you were 12 years old yeah and i've heard that it's your brain is actually forming and i think it's it's how i am with this it's how i am with the x-files it's like i don't sit around reading x-files trivia i just know it all like, yeah I, it'll never go away yeah same thing with all the, my knowledge of home on three it just it'll be there until i die mm-hmm. because that certain age it's just like it's like that's when you're planting the crops mm-hmm. you know it's like you're planting the hardwoods that mm-hmm. are just gonna like yeah be there forever on, i think for better or worse my thing is like what television was geared for my age group that I watched yeah. at that time. You know what I mean? It was like, well, yeah, I probably have encyclopedic knowledge of Nickelodeon shows yeah. from like the era around my 12th year. And I think it's why a lot of people, we can like talk in Simpsons quotes. Yeah, like, cause right. Because it was so popular Simpsons right then. Simpsons is definitely a thing. Like at, since the first, since the like since Simpsons was claimed, there have been like so many other yeah. people who have been like, "Well, I could talk about The Simpsons, right. but <laughs> yeah, yeah." And uh, 
one thing I've always like that this movie has got me thinking about kind of for a long time too is I feel like a lot of people their families have a movie a yeah. family movie and it's never a particularly good no. or particularly beloved movie like I had a friend in high school who's like family movie they watched it multiple times a year they could say every line was French Kiss oh but, weird but like the Meg, movie with Meg, Meg Ryan, Ryan and Kevin Klein doing a Pepe Le Pew accent right yeah <laughs> like they loved French Kiss um, which I think of as like a you know daytime comedy central movie I've, I've never seen yeah. it like uh i don't know i'm trying to think i don't know that my family really has like one movie that we always come back to um i know i we haven't watched it in forever but for a long time my mom's favorite movie was remember the titans <laughs> See, that's a perfect example yeah and i mean so it's you're a just like totally good movie it's a great like yeah. it's a great great movie for like what it exists as and I think it was like the I always describe it as the school bus movie, like bus trip movie. Yeah, it's a total because bus trip. we always watched it on bus trips. Bus trip movies is a, that's a great genre. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. like that. I feel like we did we did some risque movies. We had Spaceballs once on a really. Bus. Yeah, that uh, seems we too. We never risky. watched something that. I mean, I'm also from South Carolina, so oh, okay. Remember the Titans was like. I don't know if maybe it was a little too. Um, it was a little too integrated. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that like oddly it, is that a South Carolina set movie? It might be. Um, you might be right. It's definitely somewhere in the South, obviously. The Sun Belt, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like remember the Titans. I'm trying to think. There was another big one that we watched. I remember watching the Patriot in a history class, oh, yeah. but my teacher fast forwarding through the really violent <laughs> with parts. like with like a cannonball takes a guy's head off or yeah, something. Like yeah, we, like we we instead of watching Mel Gibson like hack into that guy's back, we just watched it really really fast. <laughs> so he looks like he's yeah. angrier, like a Benny, like a real violent Benny Hill yeah. outtake. Yeah. yeah, when it's already like hor- horrifically violent, it's just like it's not like we couldn't see it it was just faster <laughs> i never understood that um but that's a thing that we did because also that's also south carolina set the the old swamp fox yeah the old swamp fox <sighs> um, anyways i love home alone three <laughs> do you have um are, are there any other movies that your family has that are that you think come even close to like yeah i mean there is one and i this one i've actually this is an objectively terrible movie that I have found a lot of other people love, which is the movie Surf Ninjas. Oh, <laughs> starring that's... Rob Schneider and uh, uh, Leslie Nielsen. I've never seen Surf Ninjas, uh, but Tone Loke. A, a couple of guys who um, have both been on this show before have their own podcast called The Remake, mm-hmm. and you remake a mo- like you watch a movie, y'all watch a movie separately, and then you like come together and kind of like summarize summarize the movie, and then like pitch remakes for it, yeah, like recast it, and, right. Yeah. Um, um, so I did when I did it. I did the Big Green, uh, oh. which was like a true delight for yeah, me because yeah. I loved that movie growing up. But can look back and objectively say it is just very bad. Yeah. But like I love the idea of like a kid focused soccer movie, right. you know. Um, and it was definitely in the the sweet spot of uh, cashing in on that like popularity when it came out. But my significant other aforementioned ta- did Surf Ninjas. It's I feel like it's actually a real like like comedy nerd movie I feel like a lot of them sense. love it in my writing group like half of us love it really it's a really bad movie but it's both like how did this get made style yes like 
like bamboozling and also has some shockingly funny lines that makes me wonder if like Robert Smigel did a rewrite or something. Yeah, like, someone stumbled on it and actually wrote good jokes. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie in which uh, one of the main characters has a magic Sega Game Gear that can tell the future. Right. So you're like, we're square in yes. kids' early 90s territory. <laughs> but like, Tone Loke is going to drop some incredible quotables, like potent quotables. <laughs> And Rob Schneider is like 34 and plays a 16 year old, and it is like the it's the role of his career. Oh my god! Yeah, he he was that old and was supposed to. He was in his early 30s for no. sure, and he plays a 16 year old. I, mean, I guess like that's what you know, Veronica Mars and like right. all those uh, high school set TV shows are. Um, so there are already police. So we're we're yeah knocking. Looking oh. back, so this is the, the middle. This is the middle third of the movie. It's like okay. so. I think this movie is really well structured. It's like it's like the Tootsie of Home Alone movies. It's like got that perfect three act structure. We're in the middle third now, where uh, we're in the middle third now, where the the international thieves are systematically um, trying to burgling every house on the street, oh, trying to because find. They the, know it's in this area. They know it's in a. They know it's a big Tudor house with a. Uh, uh, a big Tudor house with a Christmas tree in the driveway, but every house is a big Tudor house with a Christmas tree and in the driveway. And how did they find out that detail? They interview the uh, crotchety old taxi driver who drove oh. uh, Mrs. Hess, the old lady, across the street home. Um, Man. And so, yeah. So they are... Uh, so they're going through every house, and Alex is spying on them with his telescope, right? And rear calling style. the cops each that's, time. That's yeah. definitely a thing that, like, it's a very rear window homage. Movie, yeah, yeah, as soon as he, uh, as soon as you introduce the scene where he was like uh, uh, about to use the universal remote, I was like, oh, this is very yeah. rear window. But he keeps calling the cops. The guys keep getting away, that's... and so the cops give him right now. The chief of police of Chicago, I don't know, is having is giving him a talking <laughs> to. Saying like you know we wouldn't want him to uh, he wouldn't want him to be scared of calling nine one one if there ever was a real emergency. And right. He goes, Sorry for being a good citizen and storms off to his room like a badass. Like that is. I mean, it's like amazing. he practically like he throw in his badge and gun. Oh, and here ScarJo and his older brother are giving him the business. It's also really funny that like this is obviously the buzz equivalent like yeah, oh it's they're complete his mom looks just like Catherine o'hara yeah. or at least like they try to get her to look, look as like much like both it. the parents are more attractive like daytime tv versions of the parents from that i yeah. believe that based on seeing the uh Catherine o'hara right. type uh, yeah she just like yeah she's like a little younger a little more yeah soap opera yeah <laughs> But and Buzz is the same way. It's yeah, he like, looks exactly like Buzz. Like yeah. it might be the same kid. I don't like. I don't know. Uh, but in this one, it's important that he has a talking parrot who sings "Bad Bad" Leroy Brown repeatedly throughout oh, the movie. That's right. I God. There's. Uh, I when I said acid flashbacks earlier, I was like, yeah, like I've definitely seen this. And every time you pitch in a detail, I'm like, yes, yes, of course that's in this movie. <laughs> right. And I almost want to like, I'm actually going to jump, uh, I'm going to jump ahead in this. Not that it matters to the listeners, but uh, just to get to when the traps happen. Because one thing is that the traps in this movie are brutal. Uh-huh. Like one of our pastimes watching it with my, my siblings is to try to identify how many fatal traps oh, there are. Someone which, actually did that for the first Home Alone, yeah, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a hallmark of the series. Uh-huh. But he drops like a dumbbell on a guy's head early on in this movie and it, it, it's like heavy like yeah. it's not very looney tunesy yeah which is always and at one point he runs over a guy with a lawnmower <laughs> and all he gets Jeez. is a really shitty haircut like a new wave haircut oh my god the, see like to me it's that's always been one of the funny things about home alone 
in general is it's like oh it's like this really like heartwarming family movie people gather around uh, <laughs> think about the holidays oh people are getting like brutally oh, yeah. burned and maimed <laughs> well it's like of course that they would put Macaulay Culkin in that movie Problem Child because oh, it's like it's the same movie it's it just a is. kid like it's a precocious kid hurting people but the tone is just you know the tone Way is yeah, yeah the tone of problem child is that it's like oh this kid's terrible yeah. but when, like as soon as he's doing it to criminals it's, it's like fantastic. totally you know, it's okay like, it's wiley coyote you know? yeah yeah i guess that's true yeah. there's a there's a precedent for that yeah <laughs> Is this uh So the way the, the FBI gets involved, mm-hmm. the FBI does get involved, is mm-hmm. uh um being the good citizen that he told the cop he was, he opens up his toy car, finds the computer chip that the bad guys are after, um, and calls his local Air Force recruiting office and reads them the serial number, and somehow that makes it all the way to the FBI. What yeah. the fuck? So he just re- he says he found a chip marked Air Force in his toy car. Um, Why did he even think to like open it up? Is there something well, actually, that indicates that they're, that's gl- what they're I looking for? I am very for? glad you asked that question. There's a great scene in the movie, very Hitchcocking, on edge of your seat, where he straps a video camera to the toy car. Oh. He drives it into the house to spy on the criminals as they're burglaring one of bur- burglarizing one of his neighbors. They find the toy car. Hilarious chase ensues. Fantastic chase ensues. <laughs> a lot of hijinks. The car hides under a brazier at one point. Just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But they find it. They take the tape, and he drives the he drives the car off. Uh, you know, they 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 knock heads together. Coconut sound fully uh-huh. happens. Uh-huh. He gets the car back. Finds out that they got the tape, so he doesn't have proof. But then he says, "Why were they still chasing the car? If they had the tape, why did they care?" Uh-huh. And he realizes. They want the car. They wanted the car. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is I like if you weren't looking too hard at this, you'd be like, Oh, it's cool. I guess it's cool that she came back. No. <laughs> like it's not Catherine O'Hara. It's not Catherine O'Hara. It is some other lady who they made like it's like they put out a casting call for like Catherine O'Hara type. <laughs> and look at her like look at her gorgeous red locks. It's it's like um just like for the listeners, it looks like they just went next door to an Herbal Essences commercial yeah, and just got someone really with like does. luxurious bouncy locks. Yeah, I'm trying to remember this. Was this same kid in the fourth one? I've never seen the fourth one, which was made for TV. I think it was ABC Family. It's got French Stewart in it. Look, <laughs> I know this is going to sound crazy from someone wearing a Home Alone Three is the best Home Alone shirt, but I hear the fourth one sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like when people tell me why, like, it's sacrilege that I like this movie, is it's always like, oh, it doesn't even have Daniel Stern in it. And I'm like, fucking listen to yourself. <laughs> That's a really good point. That's a really, really good point. I hear the fourth one sucks. Um, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't even have Daniel yeah. Have you seen that guy's filmography? <laughs> He's beloved. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> this is about to be like set up some traps. The shit's setting the fan. And, and I mean, just like as an example of one of the traps, he strings uh, electrified wire across his front walk, but wraps it in red yarn and then puts a charmingly poorly spelled sign that says, do not touch. Electro- you will be electrocuted because it looks like something a dumb kid would do. They reach right in and electrocute themselves. I think that's brilliant. It's psychological. 
Yeah, I mean, he's like unscrewing stuff. Like, oh, he's like he. Oh, at one point, he drives a riding mower. Uh, it's got <laughs> it's got original music by Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo. Uh, at this point, it's a fantastic. I listen to it sometimes. <laughs> he's written a lot of uh, movie music, right? Oh, uh, he does. Yeah, yeah, he does all of like Wes Anderson's yeah. original stuff. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh yeah. But but they, I can't believe they got him for. I can't for Home Alone Three. I mean, wow. Well, I will say this movie written and produced by John Hughes. Oh. Who, of course, wrote the first two and, I mean, of John Hughes fame, uh, you know. You know, you know, John you know, Ferris Bueller and everything. Um, he did write, he did write, oh, by the way, there's some uh, Sports Illustrated bosoms here, which I remember very distinctly from being a child. Um, but John Wait, he, but there were like post-it notes there was, over the boobs? Uh, yeah, I, it appears as though his older brother could hang up a, a risque SI swimsuit calendar as long as he post-it noted the Put over, side boob. And so he took he the takes, post-it notes. He takes notes. them out, but he covered, he puts his hands over his eyes so he doesn't see, but he peeks a little bit. <laughs> tricky, tricky, Alex. Yeah, tricky, a lot of visual tricky. aids. Uh, uh, yeah. What what is your single favorite scene in the movie? Um, oh, that's a really good question. There is there's one line, so there's a line delivery. Um, so there's there's four criminals. You've got your like hard leader Peter Beaupre. You've got Alice Ribbons, who's like the lady. <laughs> she's but she's very scary. She's kind of like maybe a little sadistic. Mm-hmm. You've got your Burton Jernigan, who's like a silent, tough um, Euro trash guy, and then you got Earl Unger, mm-hmm. who's the American of the crew. He's mm-hmm. got a big thick ponytail mm-hmm. he looks like i mean he looks like a guy who'd get shot in a sopranos episode but sure. he looks very jersey italian and there's a scene where they're like ne- discussing how are we going to find this kid some kid is spying on us uh-huh. you know despite all of our training our gear you know they're gonna get ki- they make it very clear they're gonna get killed if they don't get this the north korea is gonna kill them if they don't get this chip back uh-huh. and he says quote why don't we whack every kid in the neighborhood burn them all <laughs> And he's eating something called Big Mouth Spaghetti and Goofballs out of a can. And it is, like, the most quoted line between my siblings. <laughs> Why don't they whack every kid in the neighborhood? Burn them all. <laughs> and that, that is maybe my single favorite moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll take that. She she looks just the uh, woman. The old woman the across la- the street. But the lady of the, um, of the, Alice. Oh, Alice Rivens. <laughs> Alice looks just like um, the woman from Dumb and Dumber. Like, I made that Harry and Lloyd joke she earlier. She might be in it. I mean, it, it might be, like, the same. The movie is populated by a lot of, like, oh, that, that guy. Actors from yeah. that era. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, so what is, like, do you have one year in particular where you're watching the movie? I know we talked about, like, when it had to transition from... Brew Boys, Boys Night, Night to Brew Kids Night. Night, and you guys played butlers, we were butlers which is yeah. adorable. Is there any, like, has there ever, like, I'm trying to think, any notable viewings of the movie? Huh, it's kind of a good question. I feel like it's been so, I mean, it's been 18 or 19 times now, so mm-hmm. I remember when I was younger, there definitely were. There were years that were, like, platonic ideals, and we were a very, my siblings and I growing up were very tradition-oriented. We, we needed everything to be the same. My sister still has me tell when I go home for Christmas, recite to us what happens on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning, and there's a specific order of things that occurs. Who wow. gets to go downstairs first, etc. Yeah. Do you kids, think it's because of the range in your ages, like, trying to find things that kind of tied you all together? I think, or? I think maybe, I think it's a little bit maybe my parents, my dad's a very sentimental guy, and Aww. I think he's very tradition-oriented, but when I was a kid, it was almost... Looking back, it was almost troubling. Like, one year, my dad moved the Christmas tree from one <gasps> side of the room to the other, and my little brother cried. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 
That's a little too it much. It was a little too much. <laughs> That's and, like, a little too much. So I do remember there were like platonic, like, ooh, 1999. Like, that was like, like right. that was a great viewing, you know? Right. Uh, but I do remember, um, I would say uh, maybe a big one was the first year that we all went to the top of a local, a parking garage in my hometown. Bloomington, Indiana is where mm-hmm. I'm from. We all went to the top of a parking garage and just like all the siblings like stood up there and you know, looked out over the city and looked at all the, you know, the big Christmas tree in town and lights. Mm-hmm. And like that was probably four or five years ago. And I think maybe that was the first time that like maybe we were all a little more like adults. So maybe That's it was the what first I was going to say. Yeah. It, felt, it felt overarchingly adult. Well, like, maybe it felt like. Like there's, there was a few years where like, I think, you know, like we didn't know if it was going to keep going, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it just like, there's no question that it's going to keep going. Like, (laughs) and I think maybe that was one of the first years where it was like, we're doing like, this is, we're like choosing to make this. Uh huh. A thing, uh, still. like you know, it's still a part of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got <laughs> distracted by a guy getting decked by... in the face by a door knocker. Yeah. And this was the. This is a longer. Put a bunch of marbles underneath the, the welcome, welcome mat. mat. Like it's so low five, like, but it's effective. Whoa! 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 Oh. <laughs> 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 um. What's your favorite, uh, have we talked about what your favorite, like, trap that he sets is? Uh, yeah, so, that's a good question, too. There's one that we, that I consider brutally effective, uh-huh. which is oh, simply, barbell. yeah, barbell's gonna, sim- simply, um, he, he makes a real muddy patch around the side of the house, Alice the lady goes over there, and there's fishing line in there that is connected to, uh, Santa Claus-shaped flower pots up on top of the roof. Uh-huh. She trips one, falls backwards, and it just lands directly on her face. It's, like, hard to watch. It's like something wow. out of Saw. But she wakes up, and, of course, she's got the Santa Claus on her face. Like, you know, as oh, a mask. Oh, sure, 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 but sure. It's, right, a very, right. it, it's one of those ones where you're like, I bet that would work. That, like, yeah, like, like in that real would life, knock out someone out. Yeah, like, and it was very effective and very, like, believable. Mm-hmm. Um Boy, I don't even know. I don't even know if I want to get into this on screen right now. Uh, but uh, I was thinking that as the scene changed, we were talking about like, oh, and then they get hit in the face, and then the scene, and then we cut, cut to to a, to a woman dressed all in white, seemingly sexually torturing an old woman duct taped to a chair. Yeah, it is. There is. For some, so Alice Ribbons is played by this lady and, and who just delivers a really creepy performance for a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. And she has to subdue the old lady across the street who's going to be babysitting Alex. Mm-hmm. She goes over there and ties her up to a chair. And they, they switched Parisian bags in San Francisco. And she leans in close like she's going to lick her or something and just whispers, I left my bread in San Francisco. Like in oh, her ear, and it's very, my very creepy. God. It is like very unfortunate for a kids' movie, and it's like it's a really <laughs> creepy scene. And it's one of the reasons I love this movie is it's like the tone is just really in. Like the bad guys are very intense uh-huh. for a kids' movie. That's uh-huh. why it feels more like a spy thriller. Uh huh. I love that. Yeah. I really do. Now, of course, next is the guy's going to get sprayed uh, in the uh, penis with ice cold water. <laughs> So, you know, it's high and low. You know, it's really, it's like Andy Warhol. It's, you know, it's high and low. <laughs> you've, comp- you've referred to this as the Tootsie of Home Alone movies, <laughs> the Andy Warhol of Home Alone movies. <laughs> I hear the fourth one sucks. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of other good, like, uh, who do you think turns in, like, the best performance in this movie. I mean, one thing I would say is, like, he's no Macaulay. I mean, I think really mm-hmm. Macaulay is what people 
think of as a Home Alone. Sure. And they, they associate the series with him. But I actually think Alex D. Lins does a really good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a precocious kid actor. No mm-hmm. one ever you know, actually loves that. But mm-hmm. he's really charming. He's he's good. I mean, he's a good little kid actor. He's kind of a good action movie actor. Um, <laughs> like, his timing is just excellent. He moves. I mean, he's just – he's good. Um I really do think, like, you can see ScarJo's going to be a star. Really? Like, you can just kind of see. I mean, she's only, very, like... like I, I haven't been paying attention to it too much, but I've only seen the one time where she's she, on screen. She doesn't do much, and she's, like, she's very teenage. Like, she doesn't look like modern ScarJo, but mm-hmm. she has, like, a real confidence, and she, like, already has that voice. Okay. Like, you can kind of tell that she's already, definitely... like, too good for it. Yeah. yeah that's really funny. Yeah. You think so? Oh, definitely. Like, like... like, the Buzz brother, never. Like, you know, he maybe would be on, like, uh, uh, like California Dreamin' or one right. of those, like... Uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, but she, yeah, you can already tell that like she's gonna be in things. That's really funny. Yeah, uh, it's like plus her character listens to ska. She loves ska, so <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know. Which I think I love ska back then too. You know, like, Justin <laughs> Jake, no, but, you know, real big fish. <laughs> fish yeah. <laughs> uh, that's also such a funny commentary on like. What would the cool older sister be into at this oh, point? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like bands no one's like I can't even find online. Really? Cartoon boyfriend mm-hmm. is one of them. Yeah. We got nothing. Is that's the the dad has also been in other stuff too, right? Yeah, I'm blanking. He's been in a lot of he's just he, again, he's, he's one of those guys. One, I feel like, like he's the dad. He got on, a lot of work in this era of yeah, film. Yeah. Very handsome. Very handsome. <laughs> very handsome. <laughs> I'm going to look up these parent actors or I want it, the dad and uh, Alice Rivens both look like oppressively familiar to the, me. The main bad guy is in he's in um, Burn After Reading. He's right. in a couple Cohen movies. You'll mm-hmm. see him around. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I'm going to write down parents. Uh, I probably won't remember to actually look <laughs> anything up, but that's what the notes are for. Uh, let's see. Um, do you think at this point that uh when when you watch it there's any like there's even an ounce of like <sighs> there have been years i mean one thing is we tend to watch it very late and like oh. getting older like i fall asleep almost during it now sure but i honestly know like i never i mean i think there's probably like a lot of things in life it's like the rake joke in the simpsons there's <laughs> sure. like nine years in probably getting a little tired of it uh-huh. almost 20 years in like I'm you're, kind of more into it over than that ever. hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that even goes back. It's kind of funny that uh, the conversation started from a place of like, when does your uh, actual love for something fade into just an ironic love? Right. And then, like, the line between those two things, I think, is as ever present now in our lives because so many things are um, a so many things that are getting like produced are banking on nostalgia and and what people like like you said like what you liked when you were 12 and uh i think the hardest or the thing for me that bugs me is that and and this probably is like a pretty damning thing to say in this situation (laughs) because your shirt does say the best (laughs) home home alone is home alone three i think the people that the time when people get in trouble is when they confuse nostalgia for merit right like just because you liked something when you were young does not mean it is actually a good piece of art or fiction or film or whatever that thing is and i think a lot of people really like don't draw that line and that's also i think why people get so defensive i think so yeah i think 
look, at the end of the day, I, I love the first Home Alone. I loved it as a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm sure it is in many ways a better movie. But mm-hmm. I think what you're saying, I mean, and I also but absolutely I also nostalgic. I don't necessarily think that the first Home Alone is like cuts a brilliant movie. Yeah, I think it cuts both ways. Exactly. I think people love it more than it deserves and mm-hmm. people hate this one more than it deserves sure. and like i think the first one probably has I mean, it definitely has maybe a little more so a little more originality mm-hmm. i just think this is like like i said the tootsie home alone i just think <laughs> it's like it's just like enough it's like you see john wick people yeah. love the movie john sure. wick mm-hmm. you know john wick is like it doesn't really do anything new it just like does everything you wanted of an action movie with no bullshit sure that's kind of how i feel about this it's i like, can totally see the it's comparison. just like it moves it's perfectly <laughs> and now paced you called it the <laughs> the john john, <laughs> which is like i honestly think maybe the most at I, I just I, feel like, like i can't disagree with you this movie is like it's just every character is like you know it's barely introduced but gets just enough characterization so you know uh-huh. everything you need to know about them and there's nothing wrong with a movie that does that like yeah. i i appreciate a movie that does that like honestly i feel that way about like mad max fury road yeah, like yeah. when i saw it i was like oh i guess i can see why people like this as much as they do like it just is a very well-made movie of that genre and like that genre is not necessarily for me and i've talked to other people who are like it's not for me either but i just love right, it right, right. and i was like okay i miss what you saw but i won't argue with you that it's not like a a really like you were saying like the right amount of characterization from this person for that kind right. of movie yeah um and i <laughs> but there's not like just that's nothing to scoff at like yeah. you can't say that a movie isn't good when it can like do all those things in the best way and it's like i mean it's and i think it is i love john hughes i know he's mm-hmm. he's become controversial because like looking back his movies were like pretty racist yeah. actually and yeah. like i can't deny that i still think there's a lot of merit to them and i think there's something beautiful about these like it's like during the 80s it's like there's something beautiful about seeing it's like it's like what is great about the suburbs is still the movies it's like we can't pretend this is what real life is like but it's mm. kind of nice to go there to a world <laughs> where like teenage problems are the biggest problems in the world sure. everyone's more or less good mm-hmm. like they only worry about like self-actualization right you know right and i also think like john hughes was just from an old school kind of of, of screenwriter where he mm-hmm. can just like he wrote most of his movies in like a week and he just he internalized the beats he knows like how long every scene should be he mm-hmm. knows how you introduce a character and i just mm-hmm. feel like you see that with all the home alones but i think best with this one it's like the dude could just kind of crap out a fully functioning machine of a movie um i believe and i think he was on like, rare form with this one yeah. <laughs> But I think there's so much merit to, like, everything that you said. And I think it's an easy thing to forget because most of the movies that, like, you actually want to see, at least for me anyway, as someone who enjoys movies, like, that's how you know when a movie is bad. Because you're watching something and it's like a scene is too long and you're bored, like, and it just spends unnecessarily unnecessary time on one thing and then later on tries to make up for it and but you're right like these movies and this one according to you in particular know exactly how to like there's something to be said for story structure making up for like possible pitfalls yeah or 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 in this case just lack of originality it's you know sure. it's an old idea it's a sure. sequel but it's kind of like I'm trying to think of another series that does it that isn't a horror movie series. Oh. Uh, but it's like I've seen one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Part three is like not the best movie, but it is it is the perfect nightmare movie. It's like it's like, ah, they realize how to, you should throw a little humor in it. You should throw a little this and all that. Sure. And it's like sometimes sequels maybe aren't the best. They don't have that spark of originality, but mm-hmm. they like 
they like actually get the idea better mm-hmm. than the first one. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think this is. It's like it's essentially a essentially like a power fantasy spy movie for little kids. And which that's is awesome. all it should be. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. And like I think there's also uh in an element to that like <laughs> nostalgia versus merit argument um that is like kids movies versus merit argument does that make sense so like sometimes it's like people expect a movie to be for everyone right. when it does not have to be we say as in the movie a man just got um poop on his head <laughs> a man shot a sewage pipe and poop fell on his, out on and his head and just so that we knew what was going on we cut to a toilet, a toilet slowly <laughs> emptying yeah well, that's just good visual storytelling right there i agree that's like, i agree show I, don't tell yeah <laughs> <laughs> He's not going. He didn't this say, "Oh my poop. god, there's poop on my head." <laughs> Instead, you know, Hughes walked up to a storyboard, like looked at what was missing, you know, post-it noted, like a crude drawing of a toilet, slapped up there, and yeah. said, "There." Exactly. Exactly. Wait, what's this brown stuff on his head? <laughs> okay, I got it. <laughs> but uh, what you're saying, like, I love good kids movies. I uh-huh. love good, and like. They have to be good. And, like, everyone loves Pixar and knows yeah. that, that Pixar is great. But I feel like there's almost another level of, like, movies that are, are more for kids. Like, mm-hmm. like Up really is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's maybe more ideal. But, like, what's another movie that is for kids that's really, really good? Um, I mean, some of the younger like, – uh, some of the Studio Ghibli movies, like like Ponyo. Yeah, Ponyo like, is great. is for yeah. kids, but it's still beautiful or, mm-hmm. like – I mean, even like Big Hero Six. I saw yeah. like I think that movie's really great. Like you said, like in this conversation, it has great act structure. Like you see the you know the fir- the opening sequence is like the hero origin story, basically. Yeah. Um, or my I, I don't know if, if you've ever heard of this, but my girlfriend and I just recently found out about the show Gravity Falls. It's a Disney Channel cartoon. It's like g-rated futurama oh it's cool like fantastic i mean like we're, we're sitting around watching this kids show now and it's better than most <laughs> of the other shows on tv yeah there's an element of that to steven universe as well oh, I've steven universe yeah. is like it's for kids but it's like got that adventure time type pull to it yeah. of of having like but that show also does really cool things with like gender and like empowerment and things like that like i don't i can't speak for gravity falls but um i think there's there i think there are there's attraction for older people because they're like oh this is actually like speaking to cool things whereas kids it's just kind of like seeping into their experience of watching the show i guess like it's not like a kid's gonna leave the show and be like i like what this said about women like (laughs) i think also like maybe it's that when you start to get a little bit older you start to appreciate things that have a little more joy in them. Yeah. And, like, I love genre. I know you love genre movies, too. Like, mm-hmm. I love action movies. I love horror movies. love crime movies. But, like, it's a lot of misery. Yeah. Like, and, I, and, I mean, I watch that stuff most of the time, and, and I love it. But sometimes I feel like, like, I don't necessarily love the misery. Yeah, I just sure. like, like, what crime movies feel like. Yeah. And so then it's like, sometimes you want to watch a kid's movie mm-hmm. that's fundamentally a heist or fundamentally a caper, mm-hmm. but doesn't have that, like, 
it doesn't have that misery to it. Like that's a really good note, and definitely something I'm sure like this. Uh, well, although this is actually a pretty good, <laughs> a darker <laughs> Home Alone movies might actually be a little more like it kind of rides the line for sure. Yeah, uh, I try to. I feel like there was something else that was like family oriented that was made in the last few years that I was just like floored by how good it actually is. That, like is, isn't Pixar? Yeah. yeah. Well, Big Hero Six is great. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to. Well, now I have like a little niece and nephew, so like they. But it's weird because most of the movies they're into are like cars. You know, right, like, right, it's, right. like stuff the, that I've say, seen. The worst Pixar movies are the most popular with kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, it's maybe I why, watched yeah. Cars too like a couple times because of my nephew, and well, it, it was is still so much more left to say. Very bad. <laughs> it is so bad. Yeah. It's like not even a well like it, going back to that like you're watching a scene and you're bored because they've spent too much time doing something that's unnecessary for the story uh but it's for kids and kids love it <laughs> it doesn't have to be for me yeah. <laughs> um is there anything else that you feel like you would be remiss to not mention where this movie is concerned <sighs> we've gone over most of it i think okay. I, mean, I think the last thing i would say is just like your home Thanksgiving break, you're full of turkey. Mm-hmm. NBC's going to put on Home Alone 1. That's great. Maybe warm up with it. Throw on a little Home Alone 3. Take a risk. Take a risk. Like, you're going you're gonna to sk- see where Star Joe, Scar Joe came from. You're going to uh-huh. see, you know, a boy kill, uh, <laughs> take down some North American. Uh, uh, North, kill, <laughs> yeah, I kill, mean, uh, take down. <laughs> a boy take down some North Korean affiliated terrorists. Uh, and you're going to love it. I honestly can say, like, from watching this during this conversation, it looks just like one of those first two movies yeah and and it's also well they're also really heavily armed there's like a suburban thriller aspect to it like right you know it's it really looks like it looks like a cool crime movie yeah yeah Yeah. like everything about it it, it, don't knock until you tried it yeah exactly (laughs) that's really what i want to what i want to tell everyone don't knock until you try it uh so how do you think your love of Mm -hmm. home alone three has influenced you both creatively <laughs> and your life in general. We've talked a lot about we talked about the life in general. Yeah. Uh, creatively, <laughs> <laughs> might be a stretch. I mean, there's something to be said for even just being able to look at this and go, "Oh, it's a classic three act structure." Well, you I know was, what I mean? I was actually going to say, like, yeah, I honestly, so I, you know, I've listened to your podcast and like, I know you asked that question, and I was thinking, like, boy, I'd be hard pressed to say how it has, but like, as we've been talking, I'm realizing, mm-hmm. like. Honestly, everything I defend about this movie is it's the same as what I defend about a lot of my favorite movies or what I am drawn to. Like I like like I like minimal. I think mo- all movies should be like 90 minutes or shorter. Yes. Like, I like well-crafted like simple kind of like driving films. I really respect that. Um, I, I feel so similarly. Like my favorite movies are just very well-told stories. Yeah. And I like I'm a huge my favorite director is probably John Carpenter who did mm-hmm. like um you know, Halloween is my favorite mm-hmm. movie. Assault on Precinct 13. Like, all of his movies, like, they virtually, like, no one has, they don't say a line more than they need to. Yeah. And you know they're, everything They're you not overwritten. Know. Yeah. And I love that. And I, and I, I'm not going to say I love that because of this movie, but like, sure. I see it in this movie. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure it is helpful as a writer to keep in mind as you are working on stuff like well this line doesn't need to be like this can be more succinct right which is a really hard part about writing i think from my perspective i think uh amateur writing 
it shows itself in its overwrittenness. Right. Like, I get it. Like, just say that one word, you know? I find myself even doing that when I watch TV. It's like, oh, that would have worked a little better if it was just that one part of the yeah. line. <laughs> like, so I'm sure that's something that you find for yourself, too. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know when you're writing comedy, it's all you almost want to go syllable by syllable. Like, yeah. Find the rhythm. You know, it's... Right. Cutting makes such a difference. Timing yeah. and editing. I, I, I was... This last summer, I, um, I took... I did an overseas trip with some high school kids and we were teaching and I had to work with them every day to write blog posts. It was like part of, it was for a, cool. um, it was for a, um, a nonprofit. We were doing volunteering in India and they all had to write blog posts. And I was in charge of like, I was a writing teacher uh-huh. and I found myself relying on this quote from um, Roger Corman, the famous movie producer. He made like every B movie in the sixties and seventies. Okay. Everyone like, like, a, I know the name a, sounds familiar. Yeah. Everyone, Francis Ford Coppola got to start with him. So okay. did Scorsese, everyone did, but he was this like no bullshit producer. He just did what made money, what people liked. Sure. And he, he has this quote that sounds stupid, but I think is surprisingly profound, <laughs> which is he said, I've never seen him. I've made hundreds of movies and I've never seen a movie that wouldn't be improved by being cut to 90 minutes and having a scene with a helicopter. <laughs> And I would tell that is kind of brilliant. And I would tell every one of my students, I was like, when you're writing, like, think, can you cut this to 90 minutes? And can you throw in a helicopter? Like, metaphorically, like, like gussy it up. Like everyone yeah. thinks they need to be everyone, you know, thinks you're writing poetry or you need uh-huh. to like slowly build up to your point. And I was like, you know, you got it. Like, it doesn't need to be cheap. Nothing doesn't need to be close, lowest common denominator, but like throw in a helicopter, throw in something to get their attention. So true. And I think with writing it's like you know, you can master that and then you can follow your muse. But I think mm-hmm. it's important to to master that first. I think that is a really wonderful, like, point to have gotten to <laughs> as, after seemingly such a, like, silly uh, conception. Um, I really appreciate that. That's really, really <laughs> no funny. Problem. Well, Home on 3 is a very deep film. <laughs> You've obviously, it's the, uh, yeah, it's the uh, it's the <laughs> rules of the game. Of, uh, I was hoping, I'm trying to think of the most pretentious movie I could think of. Uh, I mean, yeah, rules of the game is <laughs> probably a good one. I don't know. I, I try not to traffic in pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said after she uh has hosted a podcast where she listens to her, or records her own voice for <laughs> hours and hours and hours well uh right before i wrap up here yep. i just want to say thank you so no, much thank you for having me Marelle. for doing this and uh i'll probably set this up in the intro but like this probably wouldn't it might have been a thing but it certainly would have wouldn't have been like this iteration of this thing were it not for you planting in my brain the idea that I should host a podcast. Oh, Mary Beth, I'm sure all the listeners would agree with me in saying you were destined to have a podcast. <laughs> I'm just, I was just lucky to be hanging out with you at a bar until soon, uh, you know, yeah. at the right time. I just really appreciate that, man. But like, there's some, even if, even if you think somebody would have said it, it was still you. It was like, you had the, um, you know, you thought it was something I could do and be, you know, interesting in doing and uh, thought it enough to say it out loud, which is like sometimes the only thing that it needs. Well, that's kind of you. And I'm sure as hell glad you did. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank I love you, you Nathan. Well, I love you too, Mary Beth.
This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.